Welcome back to the Orca Podcast, a podcast by the Ocean Research and Conservation Association, sharing how scientific facts drive real environmental change. Today on our show, we have Missy Weiss. She is the Director of Citizen Science and Education here. Hi, Missy. Hi. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Good. (laughs) Thanks for being here. I wanted to talk to you about your role here. Can you start off by telling us what your niche is here at Orca? Sure. So I'd say that I kind of bridged the gap between the scientific research, education, and the community. So the hope that I can effectively communicate what's happening on the science side with ORCA to the general community, but also with our students that we reach in the classroom. You engage in this thing called citizen science. Can you sort of define that for anybody who hasn't heard of it before? So citizen science is the idea that members of the community can participate in the collection of authentic scientific data. And it doesn't matter how old you are, what sex you are, what ethnicity you are, but that anyone in the community can be part of collecting valuable information. You're engaging the community to participate in this data collection. So why not just leave that to scientists? Why is it important to engage the community That's a really good point, and I'm glad that you asked it. There is a time and a place, in my opinion, for citizen scientists. And it's not every form of research, but there are a lot of ways that the amateur scientist can do the same kind of data collection that a research scientist can do. But if you think about it, a scientist wasn't born knowing how to do DNA extraction or process particulates. You have to be taught it. And it's generally your teachers who are doing that. And so what we're hoping to do at ORCA is just leverage our teaching abilities as well as our research abilities to train our community members who want to step in and learn about what we're doing and be part of the solution to the problems that the lagoon are facing. Because I think that's what's happening is that people in the community know that the Indian River Lagoon is having a really hard time. Mm -hmm. And it's... It's degradating in health, and they want to be part of the solution, but they don't actually know how. And so citizen science is a way for them to do that. Yeah. But again, it has to be done in a really specific manner where the people who are collecting the the data or the information are trained appropriately. They need the proper education. They need to learn the collection process. They need to know how to analyze it appropriately. And so there's a lot of checks and balances there as well. I want to go back to the training you were talking about and how you were saying that scientists aren't born having all of these skills. Citizen science sort of forgoes the notion that you have to go to school and get a PhD and do all this heavy research or spend 10 years at some company specializing in science to do actual science. But this sort of further connects people to be able to access the training and the information they need to do this as a hobby. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, you don't have to have gone to school and gotten a degree in marine science or biology or microbiology. It's really about embracing the fact that people want to continue learning. Mm -hmm. And we're all born with this drive and this sense of curiosity and inquiry. And it doesn't have to stop once we're an adult. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I would imagine that a lot of the citizen scientists that step up who want to be a part of our programs have continued interest to learn and to know more and to be part of the solutions to the problems and have this just immense and intense curiosity. And so this kind of fulfills that need for them. And so yeah. I am more than happy to open up the option and the ability for 
anyone in the community to be a citizen scientist because that's what it's doing. It's allowing them to be curious and to inquire yeah. and to want to know more about what's happening in their backyards. Right. Getting rid of that top-down flow of information from researchers and quote-unquote experts to the rest of the community and you're you're allowing a sort of two-way street to be formed between the community who science, you know, initially has the goal of setting out to help and solving problems and you're allowing people to sort of speak up and be empowered exactly. and take responsibility um, as well. So, And I there think, is a time and a place, in my opinion, right. for that top-down approach. And mm -hmm. like I said, not every form of research is appropriate for citizen scientists or members yeah. of the community to participate in, but there are a lot of those projects that are. But I do also want to say that any kind of citizen science project that work is going to do, that data is not just going to sit in a shelf. And I've been a part of those programs before where you're inviting people to help you collect information and then you tally up that data or those numbers and then it goes in a folder and in your shelf and it's never analyzed or reported to the appropriate people to somehow change or modify the goal of whatever the research was. Yeah, exactly. There's definitely a time and a place for the top-down science, but also yeah. immersing the community into the collection as well. Yeah, I agree. So you talked earlier a little bit about these checks and balances that you make sure are in place so that you do have accurate science. And I think some people would argue that there's no way that you would have accurate results. What are those checks and balances? What's your response to that? So the that way idea? that we're going to formulate all of our programs are really purposeful and with a lot of thought behind it. And so we don't want to ever throw any of our volunteer scientists into a situation where they're uncomfortable or they're unknowing. Mm. And so I think a lot of the training will be introduction to the program that we're specifically talking about, but then also in the field, in the real world application of that collection of information with our research scientists until they're comfortable going out independently. So until there is a comfort within each of those individuals to feel that they can can appropriately and effectively collect the data, they won't go out. And so, and continuously checking in with me and our research scientists and saying, you know, I, I feel really good about this. I'm not sure about that. How okay. can I do better next time? I'm not sure if I'm doing this correctly. And, and just constantly having that line of communication between mm -hmm. the citizen scientists and myself and the research scientists with ORCA. So there has to be a lot of communication. It's almost like a marriage. Without <laughs> it, it's not going to work. So I feel like that's really how the checks and balances come into play, is that um, they're not sent off on their own until there is a 100% comfort level there. Awesome. Who are these people participating right now? Has any group that you've worked with provided really insightful perspective that you didn't have going into a project? Many of our programs at this point in time are still actually in the development phase. Mm -hmm. And so we're very, very close. But the number one thing before we can roll out or invite others to participate is we have to make sure that the science is sound on our end. And so for some of our programs, we are literally developing those procedures and protocols of what the science is. Mm -hmm. And once that's really solid and we're confident in that, that's at the time we can then invite others to participate. So there is one particular program that we're already utilizing citizen scientists in, and that's our living shoreline monitoring program. Mm -hmm. And uh, probably what's been most insightful for me is just the nature of how ambitious people are. They want to jump right in. They're excited to be a part of 
what we're doing, not only in the construction of the breakwaters, which are part of our Living Shoreline projects, but also in the actual collection. So what is muck? What does it look like? What does it feel like? I can vividly recall just recently, we took a high school senior out with us and this was his first time out in the field collecting the data. And as he is collecting a muck sample, he came up with a handful of brittle stars and they were crawling all over his hand. And immediately, it wasn't about that muck symbolism anymore. It was, well, why are we having all of these brittle stars in this area? What is it about it? And so it generated questions, the why and how, and oh my goodness, what about this? And, yeah. and that's really what science is. Science is, is the yeah. why and the how, and then trying to figure out those answers. And so while we were out there collecting the information for our citizen science project, it opened the door to many more questions about what was happening in that environment. And, and that's where that inquiry, that idea of curiosity and wanting to know the answers is so fulfilling because they're getting a chance to see that. Yeah. Do you feel like as a scientist, that sense of curiosity is sort of dampened in you a little bit? I know that you particularly are very enthusiastic about science and are a very positive and excited person in general, at least around the office. <laughs> Try to be. Yeah. I think that's a really important quality to have. Yeah. And I'm a little bit of a unique case. I feel like I've always been a little bit not 100% confident in where my skills really lied because I my background is marine science research, but then I transitioned into education. Mm -hmm. And so I always have made it a point to combine those two in whatever direction I've gone professionally. For me, I've always had that curiosity and that need to want to know more. Mm -hmm. I like to think that people have that in them all the time as well, that it doesn't yeah. fade away as you get older. And perhaps it does. Maybe these citizen science projects will reignite that those qualities and yeah. that would be amazing. That's exciting. Yeah, it is. Can you tell us more about all of the current projects that we've got going on? You mentioned a Living Shoreline project. We have the Living Shoreline Monitoring Program, which is a restoration project. We also have a pollution mapping project. So that's looking at a specific sampling site along the Indian River Lagoon, or it could be in your backyard or a retention pond, uh, and looking at it really from the top down to the bottom. So looking at what the water quality, but also the sediment and that connection between the two. Mm. Another project that we are currently working on is our vital signs project. And that's really looking at bioindicators and seeing how those organisms can help us better understand the environmental conditions of the lagoon, specifically the toxins and toxicants that are present. Because oftentimes we don't necessarily have to do laboratory analysis to see that there's a problem. We can just look at the organisms that are present in a specific area to see that. And so mm -hmm. we're really combining the both. We're using the research, but also looking at the community members to see what specific areas uh, look like health-wise, but then also how we can help solve or help remedy some of those problems. Another project that we are currently working on is called A Day in the Life of the Indian River Lagoon. Okay. This is a project that incorporates local environmental partners and teams them up with local schools or students and have them go out on a single day in the fall to collect the same information from Volusia County down to Palm Beach County. And so we have a nice comparison of what the lagoon is looking like on a single day in time. It allows oh, awesome. our citizen scientists, again, of all ages, we have elementary school all the way up to high school participating, and they get a chance to collect the same information that we would. But um, it's it's really a nice way for them to have that chance to participate 
and be engaged. We also have the One Health Fish Monitoring Project as well. And so that's a really cool project that will allow citizen scientists to collect fish in the lagoon, but then if they wanted to take it a step further and analyze the fish to see what kind of toxins or toxicants, again, are being present in the fish, which could hypothetically be consumed by our community members. So that's a really interesting So you get to go fishing. They get to go fishing. Yes, <laughs> exactly. And so the, another really unique thing about our citizen science projects is that there's multiple levels right. where you can participate at the most basic level, which would be hypothetically fishing, or you could be a part of the entire field collection process, mm-hmm. or you could even take it a step further and be part of the laboratory analysis. You'll learn the same skills that our research scientists are doing in the lab to extract DNA or look at particle analysis, and, and they get to be a part of that as well if they so choose to. Yeah, and these are these are volunteer programs. They don't have any cost attached to them, right? Correct. So as, as a citizen scientist, you can participate absolutely for free. All of the projects are either grant-funded or we're seeking sponsorships for, so mm-hmm. that's really, really important that we can't sample more sites along the lagoon if we don't mm-hmm. have the funds to provide the analysis of those of those sites. So participation is absolutely free and welcome and the more the merrier, but uh, we heavily rely on grants and sponsorships to do the work. All of these programs sound awesome and super fun. So how can people get involved? I think the easiest thing to do would be to go onto our website, teamorca.org, and to go under citizen science and look at all the projects and you can fill out a volunteer form and identify which projects you're interested in participating in. And then we'll be able to contact you once we get the training dates set up. That's how you can essentially get into the program. 